0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. God says to Isaiah, For as the rain comes down, And the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper And the thing for which I sent it. My cousin reminded me of that uh, some months ago now. And uh, it is a powerful thought. It's not by our strength that we make it through this life. And it's not by our strength that God's kingdom is advanced. By God's power through his word and he promises he says hey my word does not return to me void it accomplishes what I set, sent it out to do so this morning I'd like for us to look at the spread of the word uh, especially in the missionary journeys of Paul, and indeed, not just in the spread of the word throughout the Mediterranean region, but to see the word at the beginning work in Paul himself, which I think is uh, encouraging for us to see that to see that someone so dedicated to the demise and the destruction of the church to become the last uh, last person you might expect to be the biggest advocate for the church. Paul says of himself, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, Taught according to the strictness of our father's law. So right off, uh, Paul Paul's not originally from Jerusalem. I mean, you might think he was from the fervor he had for the old law, but he, he is from way up, way up there in uh, let's see if I get this. Yeah, what, this Tarsus. So, I mean, you, you normally think of this area right here as, you know, Israel, right? And if we had, like, back in uh, David's time or Solomon's time, it would be the United Kingdom, and it would be, you know, it would come down here below the image a little bit. It would go up here. But, that, you know, that's the size, right? It's right there. All of this is not Israel, right? It's just this portion right here. And Paul, Saul at the time, is is from Tarsus. So he passed Syria up here into what is now modern day Turkey. So being up there, uh, this is a Greco-Roman city, right? This is all Rome, uh, Roman Empire territory by now by Saul's uh, day, and he's born a Roman citizen. And so being up here, he, he grows up and he knows not just, uh, um, he, he mentions at some point he's the son of a Pharisee, but he is Greek as well in that he can speak Greek. He is a Roman citizen, so he has a lot, he, he's kind of got this dual citizenship thing going on. Um, There's a lot of Jews, especially in the north here, Hellenists. They're kind of, you know, Jews, but with a very uh, Roman-friendly kind of persuasion. Um, So there's probably a lot of that in this area. But he comes down and he comes to Jerusalem for an education. I don't know what age he came down there to go to Jerusalem. I I feel like that's probably something that wouldn't have been done until he he was a little older. But maybe his parents moved when he was still a, a younger boy. But either way, he leaves home and moves down to Jerusalem and really begins a thorough education of the scriptures there. And, uh, or continues in education, which I'm sure his parents were probably giving him starting in Tarsus. But the thing I want to impress is that that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And now one, at studying at the feet of Gamaliel, he's got the best teachers that Jerusalem can provide, the best teachers that Israel can provide, at least that they think they can provide. And that's the, that's the bad part about this, is that he's learning, though, that though even though he's learning all these scriptures, he's learning a lot of Jewish traditions that Jesus came to upset, right? The Lord came to turn all of this around, and as the Lord is showing up to do that, Saul is, is learning to embrace all of that. And so we see that at the stoning of Stephen. And that's from Acts chapter 7. And they cast him out of the city and stoned Stephen. And, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to be in, in Acts a lot this morning. Um, basically following through. And his teaching has led him to be zealous for God, for Paul, Paul's teaching, but also for the culture around him. And, uh, and the extent he's willing to take that is evident in him standing there watching Stephen pray to God while he's getting killed, while, while he's being stoned. And indeed, he's, he's watching favorably, in all this, giving his consent while he's taking care of the cloaks uh, of those that are are doing the dirty work. And he he says that in chapter 8, or it says that in chapter 8, Luke does, Saul was consenting to his death. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Listen to this. Entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So uh, Janice uh, sh- showed me a video recently. A guy pounded it and said, this is the scary. If you're in one of these persecuted nations, then that's the scariest sound you'll hear, which is the sound of the authorities, you know, thumping on your door, ready to come take you away for your, for your faith. And that's exactly what Saul is doing in Jerusalem. He's going into these people's houses, dragging them out. Why? Because they believe in Jesus, and that's enough. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, uh, and that's understandable, right? People start, people start leaving. Right, they don't want to be. They don't. They're not waiting for the knock on their door. They start leaving, so they start heading heading north. What we'll see is that if you're in Jerusalem and you want to escape the authorities, the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem, your first stop is Caesarea. So it's a it, you know it's a coastal town. You can go places pretty quickly from there, and it's, it's a very Roman town. So the Jews have, don't have as strong a control as naturally they would in their capital city, Jerusalem, right? So they, people start scattering, heading up north through Caesarea, and they make it up into this area here into Phoenicia and then into Cyprus, this area here. They start populating it and, and even up to this town in Antioch in Syria, Syrian Antioch. Antioch is one of the major cities in the Mediterranean area at this time, right? I mean, obviously, Rome is probably the chief city. But, I mean, if we were to, you know, just talk about this eastern portion here, Antioch is, is a major one. Uh, Ephesus is a major one. And then down here, right there at the, at, at the tip of Egypt, at the tip of the Nile Delta there is Alexandria. So those three, they kind of form this big triangle uh, in the eastern Mediterranean. So a lot of folks are headed up to Antioch because it's not far away. It's, you know, they can eat, anybody can get there. And, uh, and it's a major city. But the scriptures say that they go all these places preaching the word. And that's really the theme for this morning. It's the word. It's the word of God that's going forth. It's not staying bottled up in Jerusalem. But it's being scattered like seed, right? It's it's being spread out. And this is what Jesus talked about with the parable of the sower, right? He's spreading it out everywhere, and some of it's going to fall on the road, on the wayside, and some of it will fall around rocky soil, and some will fall among the weeds. But some of it will fall on the good soil and will yield a lot of fruit. And so as it's going, it's spreading. Now, Paul... Saul, not wanting to be undone, starts really hammering hard and not just content to Jerusalem. He gets letters uh, granting him authority to leave Jerusalem to go off to get and take Christians from outside of Judea and bring them back. Like arrest warrants, if you will. So armed with these letters, at some point he he decides he's going out here to into the Syrian area to Damascus. Right. So here's Jerusalem down here, close to the the, the Dead Sea. This is across the Jordan River. So leaving the traditional nation of Israel area into Damascus which at this time is controlled by the, this king of Nabatea right here. All right. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. This is, this is his attitude going up there. All right. This isn't Saul's getting, you know, getting a little older and mellowing. This isn't the case. If anything, it seems that he's getting more fervent in this. And I think that's interesting, because as he goes through these phases, he gets more and more, I would even say, maybe angry at this, at this sect, as it's been called by a lot of the Jews. So he's going up there, very zealous in this work. And he journeyed and came near Damascus. And we all, we all know these stories, but I'm going to try to cut out just a few bits as we go along here. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, to Damascus, and there you will be told what you must do. Now, some things I want to talk about there uh, briefly. One, he, he falls to the ground. Right. So after this buildup of of persecuting Christians and and being even more fervent in doing that and around Judea, invading homes and now going outside of Judea and heading out even out of the out of the sort of the immediate what would be the traditional country of of the Israel area into Damascus to, to get these Jews that have been escaping to bring them back. And now he's on the ground. And the Lord calls out to him in that very uh, indicative of a great calling, a double name, right? It's Moses, Moses, you know, or Samuel, Samuel. In this case, it's Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting my people? Oh, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? This is personal to Jesus, isn't it? This is his body. His people is him. Don't don't feel like what we go through in this life, we go through in isolation. Okay, Jesus is very much attached to us. What we feel, he feels. The ups and the downs. Jesus is engaged. And Saul rightly refers to him as Lord, Lord, even though he's not sure exactly who he is. He recognizes his lordship. I like that. And it's, Jesus says this thing about kicking against the goats. It's hard for you to do that. You know, we know what that is. It's the long stick you know, that they used to keep. You know, they're, they're, they're pointy sticks and keep the oxen going in a straight line or where they wanted to go. You know, they goad them on, right? Giddy up, poke, poke. But you might get a stubborn ox. And he kicks against that, that sharp stick. And, of course, that only hurts the ox more, right? If you were to take your bare foot and kick it against a sharp stick, I mean, <laughs> right? That's what Saul's been doing. So Jesus is pointing out, like, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, Saul. And I think that lines up with this escalation in, in Saul's zeal in persecution, persecuting the Christians, right? Is that whatever is going on, the Lord has been goading him away from that. And Saul has been kicking against the Lord's guidance. And now he's on the ground, and the last thing uh, Jesus doesn't tell him exactly what to do here. He entrusts the message of the gospel to another man, which is interesting, right? I mean, because Jesus is going to reveal a lot of things to Saul later after his conversion, but his conversion via the gospel will be done by the by the. The message coming from another man, Ananias, right? And he has three days to think about what he's done. And then Ananias comes, and the interesting thing is that, that you know, he's blinded, of course, and the scales fall from his eyes. As if finally Paul is or Saul is, is seeing clearly for the first time. Now, the converted Saul has got some bouncing around to do first. And he goes, he stays in Damascus here, and he immediately starts preaching Jesus. And this will be important because he's not going to somebody to learn, right, how to to present the gospel he's not going for authorization from the other apostles he's not getting some letters of approval from the church in Jerusalem because that's the old Saul right the old Saul was armed with these letters from men back in Jerusalem that gave him authority to go do some things but that's gone now Now he's armed with the word of the Lord. That's what he's got. And that's all he needs. He doesn't have to go down to Jerusalem, you know, to talk to Peter and to get Peter's stamp of approval to graduate from, you know, apostle school down there. Right? This is at the authority of God. And so he has not letters from Jerusalem, or from Pharisees, or this Sanhedrin, but he's got God's word, right? And the interesting thing there is that Saul himself will write letters that are God's, God's word, that is God's word, right? These letters are God's word. It's a different, con- it, it's really a, a quite a huge conversion. It's not a conversion just just in a in a man what he does, but it's everything it's about where he's coming from, what's empowering him spends time in Arabia, which is this area here, returns to Damascus he escapes from Damascus because the Jews there are seeing what's going on and they work with the local authorities and the king of Damascus, which is the same king Nabatea there, to uh, arrest Paul. So they, you know, this is when he has to go out, you know, through the wall in the basket at night. He escapes Damascus, makes it down to Jerusalem, right? Then he has to escape Jerusalem the brothers there at first of course they're like oh wait this is this is Saul We're, we're we're not having anything to do with Saul he's here to to get us right and of course Barnabas shows up to uh to to show the church that no this is the converted Saul this is uh God's man Saul And so they take him, and they they evacuate him from Jerusalem. Where do they take him? Well, where do you go? Caesarea. So they take him to Caesarea, and then from there, now that he's kind of, they go out and send him on up to Tarsus, which is, you know, his hometown, which is interesting. So he's back up here in Tarsus for a while. Barnabas was down here in Jerusalem, right? Uh Now, at this time, there's some peace in Jerusalem. Uh, I mean, for one, you haven't had Saul there banging on people's doors, tearing them out, you know, uh, away from their families. So the church begins to spread and, and uh, enjoys, you know, building and edification and, and stuff. But, in the, but before then, of course, you had all these people, you know, evacuating, and by now, the church has been established in Antioch. And the church in Jerusalem hears about what's going on in Antioch. And so who do they send up there? Barnabas. They send Barnabas up there. I love the way all this stuff just sort of ebbs and flows together. And the thing is, You know, they're not planning any of this stuff out, right? They're not saying, okay, we're going to send Barnabas up there, he's going to hook up, and then there's going to be this big missionary. No, they're they're just like, we're just going to send Barnabas up there. The Spirit has got all this planned out. But He doesn't always explain everything to us, does He? God just doesn't explain everything to us. He doesn't have to. And and two, it's really better... That he doesn't. It's better for us. God has, hey, the just will live by faith. Not by understanding every, the whole plan, right? As if we could anyways. So Barnabas goes up there to Antioch. He sees what's going on. Hey, he says, this is great. And he says, you know who I need? I need Saul. I need Saul because he is fervent for the Lord. He knows the scriptures like the back of his hand, right? Gamaliel, right? Uh, Jer- Jerusalem e- uh, University. And he's from this northern, you know, Greco-Roman area. He speaks Greek. He, uh, I mean, he just looks, I mean, his resume looks perfect for this. So Barnabas leaves Antioch to go to Tarsus and search for Saul. Saul. You know, it sounds like some kind of a movie or something, you know, you know, in search for Saul. And he finds him, brings him back to Antioch, and they stay there for a while, uh, encouraging and building up the brethren there. And then there's, um, I'm going to skip through that. You know, right around this time, this uh, prophet comes up. His name is Agabus, and he says, hey, there's going to be a great famine in the land. And so Paul and Barnabas, who are up there and with the church, a lot of those folks up there decide that they are going to gather together uh, funds to help provide relief for the brethren in Judea. And they're going to send them down there through Paul uh, through the hands of Saul and Barnabas. And so Saul and Barnabas come down here, and they give that. And, and, and around this time, this is when Herod starts really hammering on the church again, right? And he, he, he kills James, right, brother of John, as in Peter, James, and John, that James. And that's got to be hard for the church, right? Right? It's got to be hard for Peter and John, right? I mean, think of all the—I mean, think of all—all all of those, you know, the, those occurrences in the in the Gospels where you've got Peter, James, and John, and now James is dead. This this life, this kingdom—it's—it's it's not a cakewalk, is it? It's grown-up stuff. And there's going to be loss that we experience. But the victory is already the Lord's. Then Herod says, hey, the Jews really like that. I'm going to find somebody else. And who do they find? Uh, who does he grab? Peter. Puts him in prison. Right? And so then the church is like, oh, no. So they're having this like, like all-night prayer vigil, right, at this woman's house. Her name's Mary. And then that's when you know the angel shows up and it's like you know Paul, let's go, <laughs> or uh, Peter, let's go, let's get out of here. So you know Peter, Peter's not sure what's going on. He wanders out of the, <laughs> you know, it's like the this you know he's got no chains on him. They, they've fallen off. The gates are opening by themselves. He comes out. He's walking with the angel. and They get down a block down the road, and the angel disappears, appears. And he's looking around. He's like, I get th- this isn't a dream or a vision after all. Huh? I'm really out here, you know. So he he goes to Mary's this this Mary's house, and he's knocking on the door. And of course, we know you know how the story goes: is that servant girl comes, she's like, "Oh, it's Paul!" She goes back, at the, but "Paul's at the door." You know, she just leaves him out there knocking. And they're like, "What? You 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 you're, you're nuts! You must be you're, you're seeing that? No, really, he's out there. Maybe it's his angel or something. That why don't they're having this prayer vigil for him?" Why don't they believe that God really could just like save him and put Paul right outside uh, Peter right outside their door? Isn't that interesting? What does that that say about us? What does that say about what, what we think about when we when we pray? You know? So Eventually they run outside. They're all like elated that it's Peter. He tells them what happened, and then he leaves to go on. Very encouraging for the church there, and they needed that in Jerusalem. Um, and then, so Saul and and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, they're down there around this time. They head back up to Antioch, and you know who they take with them, John Mark. You know who's John Mark? Uh, you know who John Mark's mom is? That Mary, that was, that they were at the house having the prayer vigil. Isn't that neat? And so uh, Barnabas and Saul take John Mark back up to Antioch with them. And again, you know, they're encouraging the brethren there. And what are they doing? They're preaching, they're spreading the word. And chapter 12, 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. And it's spreading. It grew and it multiplied. And so if if we could see like a heat map of Christianity, it would be spreading, you know. Um, So then the Holy Spirit, of course, informs the church here at Antioch to separate from them Barnabas and Saul for a special work to go and spread. And so here they go. They, they they lay hands, they pray on them, and send them off, and they go to set sail here. They go to Salamis, to Cyprus. Remember now, this is where some of the Christians have it already fled to. So they're going here, and then they come out here to Paphos, and I don't know if you recall, the proconsul Sergius uh, is converted there. He's converted. You've got that uh, sorcerer that That sees what's going on and it's kind of like in that, like there's more than one movie like this but but it it draws to mind um, one of the uh, Lord of the Rings movies where this old king, he's like infected with some kind of like magical disease or something like that and um, this slimy like Uh, greasy, you know, uh, amphibian of a man is like trying to, you know, keep him locked in this like mental prison that he's in, right? So that he's not in control of himself. And and that's how I feel like this sorcerer is to this uh, proconsul Sergius Paulus. And, um, Saul, or Saul comes down pretty hard on this guy, blinds him right there, and Sergius Paulus, who has been really impressed with what? The message of the gospel. Right? He has been really impressed with the message of the gospel, now sees this, and that's enough for him. He's in, you know. So he's converted. And then they leave from there up to this region of Pamphylian, landing at Perga. And then from there, they go on up into Antioch of Pisidia, all right? And that's where they start running into Jewish strong opposition. And um, then they make it down into Iconium. And, and it's kind of the same this cycle. They show up, they go to the Jews first. Back and forth with them. You know, there's arguing. Some are persuaded. Others are, I don't know. And some are just, you know, militant in, uh, (laughs) you know, having nothing to do with this. And they end up usually uh, chasing Paul out, but not before some Jews are converted and oftentimes. More Gentiles really than the Jews, especially in this area because this is, you know, predominantly a Gentile area, right? So they, they get run out, they go down to Iconium. Uh, and Iconium is it's the same thing, really. They, you know, they go to the synagogue. They speak, and a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. but the unbelieving Jews, again, stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against the brethren. And so then they make make out uh, down to Lystra. In Lystra, this is where uh, Saul and Barnabas uh, are mistaken for uh, Zeus and Hermes, right? They show up, they heal a cripple, and it's like, Oh! And so they run to get sacrifices. Saul and Barnabas are tearing their clothes. Where, you know, to stop. Don't do this. <clears throat> uh, they're trying to, you know... It, it's a deeply pagan area. So they've got a lot of history, right, that they're trying to deal with, a lot of cultural differences. Um, the Jews then come down from uh, Iconium and into Ly- Lystra, and they convince... The people that Paul and, or Saul and Barnabas are no good. So they end up stoning Saul, dragging him outside the city. But by then, there have already been disciples made. However, when the disciples gathered around Saul, lying there, he gets up off the ground and goes back into the city. What a testimony that is, right? And the next day, then he departed uh, with Barnabas to Derby. You ever get hurt for doing something good? (laughs) Does doing something good ever sometimes cost you uh, in unexpected ways? Sometimes. It's going to, you know. Have you ever been stoned, you know, seemingly to death before? Me, not yet. (laughs) <laughs> the Bible is full of extreme examples. And I think part of that is so that we can look at those and say, hey, if God so strengthens Saul to do these incredible things and to keep going, then he can strengthen me when I'm dealing with what appear to be far less uh, you know, extreme situations. You see that with the psalmists, too, right, in the Book of Psalms. I mean, people are getting killed and stuff there, and that's not, that's not my life. Um, but so they go down the Derby. They make it down here. And, of course, now they're, they're, they're kind of being chased by the, the, these uh, Jews. And then they, they work their way back, encouraging the brethren, and come back to Antioch. And boom, that's the first one. Now, the second one, they start in Antioch, <laughs> right? And now they're, they're going to, uh, I, I, I forgot to mention here, in Perga, Saul and Barnabas, they're, they're taking John Mark with them because he's excited, right? Young man, right, he's, uh, he saw what happened. Back in Jerusalem, his mom's house, I'm sure, and uh, he's he's excited about this this you know this kingdom of God thing. He gets out here to Perga, and for whatever reason, and we don't know, you know, fill in your own reason here. I think is is kind of the message. He he leaves him, he leaves him, and he goes back. Uh, he, he goes back. So, sometimes it's hard to stay the course. You know, sometimes it's hard to, to keep going. And, um, and I'm not, I, I don't want to really be condemning of, of John Mark at all, really. Because I know that we need to be strong. We need to be faithful. But John is many of us. We're just not as faithful as we want to be. Reminds me of the man that says, cries out to Jesus when Jesus says, if I can, if you have any faith, and the man says, oh, Like it just dawns on me, like, oh, I say these, these things slip out of my mouth. They reveal our hearts. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? Mark leaves. And so on this second missionary journey, Barnabas is all about taking Mark again. It's his cousin, come to find out. Um... And Barnabas is this encourager. Remember, he, he's the one that went out and got, got Saul and brought him in and said, No, 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 everybody, the church in Jerusalem, he's, he's, he's good. He's with me. And they're like, oh, Barnabas, you crazy? Barnabas is, Barnabas is an encourager. He sees the best in people. He has a lot of faith in God. So he wants to take John Mark with him, right? Christianity, it's about, it's about, you know, mercies being new every morning. We get to try again, don't we? So why don't we take John Mark with us? He wants to go. He's in it this time. Now Paul, Saul, whatever, uh, he's saying that John left at Perga. That was before things got really hard. So he bailed before they even got before the going got tough, right? It's like, this, it's, gonna, it's gonna be more of the same, Barnabas. We can't bring him with us. It wouldn't be fair to him, you know? It's gonna get bad. So they have a strong dispute, and it's so strong, in fact, that they split. And so Barnabas ends up taking, uh, t- taking John and Mark and heading down to Cyprus again, which is good because that's why they they wanted to go back out to where they had been before. And so they decide in the split to basically, you know, split up the job. And Saul ends up taking Silas with him and going north up back into the Galatia region. So, boy, is... This kingdom work. It's hard. Sometimes it's not always obvious what we ought to do. Sometimes feelings get hurt. We don't mean them to. But the Lord is still in this. We keep pressing forward. We mend Relationships, we say, you know, our apologies. We overlook weaknesses, and we continue on in the power of the Word of God. The power is in the Word. And so Paul, now Silas goes up into Derby, to Lystra. I went back to these same churches, and who does he meet in Leicester on this, this time around? Timothy. what encouragement that must have been to Paul. And uh, Timothy, you know, his, uh, his father was a Greek, his mother was a Jew. You know, I know we've all heard all the accolades that uh, are about Timothy so I won't go into that but Timothy was quite the young man and for <laughs> for whatever reason that that Paul thinks that John Mark couldn't make it on this trip finds Timothy and he is so impressed with Timothy that even though he's a he he's a you know half Greek he decides to take him with him right and, and, and Timothy is in it, too, because he's got to, you know, Paul you know, says, you coming with me, we're going to run into a lot of Jews. The, they know you're Greek, so you're going to have to go through, you know, the Mosaic ritual for, for, for boys to, uh, to come with me. And, and, and Timothy is on board with it. I mean, it's, it's not a small thing, right? I mean, um, so he and then they continue on up in Antioch, Pisidia, and then they go into this area here, into Asia. And then there's Bith- Bithynia up above and Asia to below. And of course, you know, we've got the whole seven churches of Asia, you know, that are the the, the letters that are written um, to them uh, by the hand of John from from the Lord. You know, and there are these churches right here. <clears throat> and Paul wants to go down and... and and, uh, you know, minister to these churches. But interestingly enough, the Spirit forbids it. And so then Paul thinks, okay, well, I'll, I'll go up here to Bithynia. And the Spirit you know, forbids that too. And it's interesting to think of the Spirit saying to anybody who says, oh, I want to go take the message of Jesus to some people for the Spirit to say no. Doesn't that seem to strike you as, as like <clears throat> counterintuitive? Um, but the Lord has got plans for all of this. And I think what he's doing is saying, no, Paul, I, I've got th- th- it's this whole stuff that you've done here. It's like that is spreading. And other people are spreading this word. It's not just you, Paul. right? Other people are spreading this word. And all of this is going to get, <clears throat> uh, you know, all of this is going to hear the word. I need you to go further. <laughs> further out, Paul, I need to go further out, and so they make it to Troas here, and what does Paul receive there in Troas? The famous Macedonian call, the vision, right, and so he, he hops across here, they get everybody together, I, I, it, it's kind of like this, oh, right, you know, they've been told, no, not in Asia, no, not Bithynia, and so, I, I, you know, what are, I don't know, what, what are they thinking? You know, what, is, what does God want us to do? And it's kind of like the old, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window kind of a thing, right? And so in this Macedonian call, they think, well, this is what God wants us to do. So there's this, I think, re, reinvigorated kind of energy. And they're like, all right, let's go. Let's charge ahead. We've got, we've got our target. Now we've got our direction. And they make it over, and they make it to Philippi. And Philippi, right there, Northern point. Um, that's where we meet Lydia, the seller of purple, and she is the first convert, at least recorded, in Macedonia. In this, this, you know, what what's significant about this difference here between this Ionian coast here and you know Greek uh, right or Greece right here? You know, this Aegean Sea separates them. There's not much there, right? But that's the dividing mark between Asia and Europe, you know, at least by modern, you know, geography. Lydia is the first European convert recorded in the Bible that we that we know of, right? I think that's cool. Um, and so then they they go from Philippi, at, they get they get beat up in Philippi, right? I mean, literally they get flogged, uh, they get. You know, the, there's, they, they get many stripes laid on them, the Bible says. And then they're thrown into prison, told to be guarded securely. So it's like, okay, you're in prison. We're going to put you into the prison, inside the prison. And then we're going to put you in stocks and chains inside there, right? And then, of course, there's the earthquake while they're singing and praying through the night. I think, isn't that an amazing thing? I would love to, you talk about a spirit high, you know, this weird mix of, like, physical suffering and, like, spiritual power, is that they're singing and praising God in the inner prison at night, boom, God shows up, everything falls off, the jailer wakes up, he realizes, oh, no, all the doors are open, the prisoners have gone, I'm a dead man, you know, and they're gonna put the hurt on me before I die, So he's fixing to take his life. Paul calls out, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. And then he runs in, falls down in front of the prisoners, right? I mean, (laughs) you would think that he's like, oh, they're still here, you know, closing the doors and stuff like that. But no, he falls down in front and he says, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. There again, that's, there, there's their power, isn't it? What did they tell him? The word of the Lord. You say, well, of course they, t- <laughs> well, of course they told him the word of the Lord. I mean, what else would they tell him, right? It, g- it goes without saying, really, doesn't it? And it doesn't. You know how I know it doesn't go without saying? Because God thought it didn't go without saying. And so he said it. Right, it's written down there in Acts. Via Luke's hand. Write this down. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all of his household. It's important enough for us to pause there and think, this is how it's done. It's not through great oration not through great worldly wisdom and philosophy. It's the power of the word of God. And as Jesus would say, those who have ears, ears, let them hear. Right? The word is going to land on all these different hearts. And in some, it's going to grow up. Others are going to reject. right Outright. But the power is in the word. They speak the word of the Lord to him. Uh, Immediately, uh, at that same hour of the night, this is in the middle of the night, right? Uh, You think, well, can't this wait till morning? (laughs) And immediately, he and all of his family were baptized. Well, surely that can wait till morning, right? Why don't we wait... Uh, how about uh, we'll wait until the next, uh, next Sunday we'll, or maybe we'll have a big baptismal party and a lot of people, you know, getting queued up and stuff. No, when, it, when it's time to get saved, y- you do it. I remember speaking uh, with my son Brandon about baptism. And how I knew that he was, I guess, ready after all the, you know, doctrine discussion uh, and scriptures and everything was when I said, well, do, do what do, do you want to, to do this? You know, do, do we want to go here? This, I can, he's like, I, just, just as soon as possible. <laughs> I'm like, okay. As soon as possible. That's all we did. So then they go on to Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica has a special way of being harsh uh, on Christianity. So they get down there. And it's more the same, Jewish resistance. <clears throat> and it's big, it's major. And it's so major that, you know, they go looking kind of like a lynch mob for, for Paul. <clears throat> and they can't find him. So what do they do? They, they break into some other guy's house. You know, his name's Jason. he falls out here. Well, we're going to take you. So they drag him out, you know. <clears throat> it's a bad situation. But it's not until after, right? The church is formed there. So we keep seeing this, this. Uh, in a way, it's a goading, right? From one town to the next, it's like start it here. Don't stay here too long. Get going, you know. On to the next, you know. Then the Jews, and then it's on to the next. And every time that happens, they're planting the seed. They're spreading the word. So they spread the word in Thessalonica and then, then they, they move on again. But Paul is real concerned uh, for their faith there at Thessalonica, especially, I guess, in the way that they had to leave and what happened with Jason and his house. So he later, uh, as they're later, he's 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 concerned, and so he sends Timothy back up to Thessalonica to see how they're doing, right? Like, oh, and he's, you're reading this in First Thessalonians, uh, in the first letter, and he says, you know, uh, therefore we could no longer, and when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Uh, and verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. You know, so I was, <laughs> Paul's like saying, I, I was worried that y'all just quit. I didn't know. So he sent Timothy back to find out Timothy comes back down to, to Paul and Silas with a good report. Oh, they're, they're still together. They're doing well. They're, they're faithful. And Paul sends this letter, 1 Thessalonians, back to the church <clears throat> and uh, really, really excited to hear about their faith. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning uh, you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. So he's com- communicating to them. He says, we were so concerned about you that now that we hear that y'all are doing so well, despite all of these afflictions and persecutions that are on top of you, um, now, now, now we're encouraged and edified and strengthened. We, c- we, can, we can stand and press forward knowing how well you're, you're doing. And it's interesting that he, he even mentions... His, um, you know, he's talking to the Thessalonians. and He's telling them this is, you know, this is part of part of what we sign up for, is tribulation and suffering. And he and he mentions in chapter two, he says, you know, even after we had suffered before, we were remember how we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, but even then we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God, in much conflict you know, there in in Thessalonica, Um, even after we got, you know, whipped in Philippi, you know, we came to you, and we're still, and all this conflict's going on, and we're still bold to speak the gospel to you, the word of the Lord. Why? Because he's not ashamed of the gospel, right? It's the power of God unto salvation, So Paul leaves them with his encouragement. In spite of all of this, says he he leaves them with this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Feels like a tall order to give to a church that's got so much going on, right? But that's what he leaves them with. Saying that this is the will of God for you. You want to know what God's will is for you? There it is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything. Off to Berea. And they're, as, as they say, more noble, right? More noble citizenry. Why? Because they search the Scriptures. They search the Scriptures daily. Because where's the power? It's in the Word of God. And because they do that now these people were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica for they received the word with great eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so therefore many of them believed where does faith come? it's the hearing hearing of the word of God right? they were open to the word of God and then of course then the Jews heard about it and then so they're they're running, wanting to run them out of Berea now they're they're uh, whoa, right there in Berea so the brethren are you know the the brethren these are new converts they keep taking care of Paul on this this whole time <clears throat> And the brethren there, they don't just send Paul out of Berea. They take him out of Berea themselves. And they escort him all the way down to Athens before before leaving him and heading back. And, of course, in Athens, we know what happens with, you know, there's the the Areopagus. And they're very suspicious, you know, very religious, um, very idolatrous people and so he speaks to them about this statue that they've got this idol to the unknown God it's like I want to tell you about this God that's unknown to you for he is the God he's the maker of heaven and earth and everything and he doesn't need your sacrifices you know he doesn't need your trinkets and he doesn't need your temples because he's everything you need him And they're like, hmm, this is interesting. We want to hear you again in this matter. You know, because the, the Bible says, uh, they want, this is what they do. This is what they do in Athens. They sit around and they listen to new ideas. They just want to see, what's, what's the latest, the newest idea? You know, oh, that's, that's an old idea. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear the new ideas. Church, what I'm up here telling you about the Word of God It's old. And it's not new. This is God's idea. All of it, God's idea from before he said, let there be light. Let's not get too caught up in the excitement of the new shiny. Paul goes on to Corinth. He's in Corinth for a year and a half, and then um, back to Ephesus. In Corinth, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, right? Tent makers. He's working with them. Um, Silas and Timothy rejoin him, and he it, it looks like he stops doing the tent-making thing at that time so that he can do full-time preaching because that's, that's what he's there for, right? He's not there to make tents. And so Paul and Silas rejoins like, okay, you're here. Uh, you take care of this day-to-day stuff. I'm going to get to preaching. So he does that. And then with Priscilla and Aquila, and they, and they had just left Rome, right? So the Claudius had said, hey, all the Jews need to get out of Rome. So, the, so they left and they went to Corinth. And then, then they meet up with Paul and Silas and Timothy. And they're like, all right. And so then Paul says, hey, I'm going back to Ephesus. And so they go with him over to Ephesus. Paul isn't there very long. He's in Ephesus briefly. And he says, I'm trying to get down to Jerusalem. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus, though. He goes down here to, uh, and, and boards a ship, makes it down here to Jerusalem you know, Caesarea, landing at Caesarea, on up to Jerusalem, greets the church there, tells them what's all been going on, and then back up to Antioch. And then it completes the full circuit. The third missionary journey. And he's up in Antioch for a while. But uh, then he's, he's getting the itch to go back out and, and revisit some of these places again to see how everything's going. Um, this is... This is his last missionary journey, and we're getting up here. Once he makes it up here, you know, Eutychus falls out of the window uh, and, you know, three stories up. Paul resuscitates and brings him, you know, back to life um, because he's preaching, you know, all night long there. He knows that, hey, I'm leaving here the next day. I'm giving you everything I got, right? So he just keeps going all through the night. Um, so it, it was, it's exciting, right? It, 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 was, it wouldn't have been exciting if he hadn't have fallen out of the window, you know, died and then got brought back to life. But, um, but he did. It's kind of a big punctuation exclamation mark on the whole stop at Troas, isn't it? He makes it all the way, you know, back through here. All the way back down to Corinth again. Then he's looking to sail back to Jerusalem. And uh, I, I skipped over his time in Ephesus. He really spends some time there in Ephesus. Um, the interesting thing there is that Ephesus, they show up at Ephesus. And, and, and before, before Paul gets there, who's been there? Yep. Apollos has been there. And um, in the meantime, Paul, Apollos, who is mighty in the Scriptures, the, the Scripture says, does not understand everything about Christianity yet. It says that he only knows specifically. Says he only knows the baptism of John. So Priscilla and Aquila they explain the way uh, of, of the Lord more accurately to Apollos, and then Apollos takes that and says, okay, I want to go over here to Achaia. So he ends up over here in Corinth. And then after he's left, then Paul shows up here in Ephesus. And then Paul meets up with evidently some converts, uh, some brethren converted by um, Apollos, and they don't know anything about the the Holy Spirit yet or about uh, Jesus' baptism. And so it's like, okay, well, we got to fix that. So there's 12 guys, right? And they all get baptized into Jesus, necessarily. And then then Paul, you know, makes it back up to Troas, and it makes it back down to Corinth. And we see this Apollos show up in Corinth in in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, right? When he says, says, he says, I planted, but apollos watered well this is when that happens right so he he planted there the church there in corinth and then apollos comes over later while paul is en route to ephesus and further encourages and builds up the church there what planting and watering but but what does paul say that's significant about the planting and the watering he said, it's god that gives the increase and so then Paul is looking to take a boat back to Jerusalem. But again, there's a, uh, a, a plot on life by the Jews. So he says, okay, instead of boating down here, I'm going to cut back through Macedonia and over. And uh, he's taken, I mean, Luke is with him. And all, all these guys are, are with him. And they, they make it down to Miletus. Right, the elders from Ephesus come, and he, he gives them a fond farewell. You know, I've been you know made aware that I'm not going to get to see you again. Uh, you know, there's just parting in this kingdom business, right? And so then he makes it on down to Tyre and to Caesarea, and then back up to Jerusalem where he's arrested, right? And he knew he was going to be and that Agabus that predicted the uh, famine. Well, he shows up again down here and says, hey, you're going to get bound in Jerusalem uh, if you go there. And everybody keeps saying, stop, don't go there, Paul. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to even die. So he makes it to Jerusalem. He gets um, arrested. And then, uh, the, you know, this is interesting because it's an escape from Jerusalem again except this time it's the Romans that are helping him escape, right? So they take him by night. Where? Of course, it's to Caesarea, right? They always escape from Jerusalem to Caesarea, so they, he's in prison there. Felix, and then Festus, and Festus, uh, you know, he, he, he wants to hear Paul. He's very noncommittal. He also wants a bribe. Uh, the Jews like him locked up. So Festus leaves in there for two years, right and uh, all right, wait a minute, am I getting that right or is it Felix? I get those two confused. Well, I'm running short on time. two years there and then finally, uh, you know King Agrippa shows up there and and uh, the new the ruler, man, I wish I could. Yeah, Felix. Then Festus shows up and he says, hey, here's this deal with Paul. And he says, I, King Agrippa, I want to talk to you about him. And Agrippa says, ah, he hasn't done anything. He should have been set free. We could have let him go. But now he's appealed to Caesar and we're all up in this mess. Right? So now, now we're going to Rome, which is where Paul has wanted to go for a long time. In fact, when he was in Corinth, which is here he had written to the church in Rome saying hey I really want to come there and while now he's getting his 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 wish in fact the Lord has appeared to Paul by now saying hey don't fear I'm sending you to Rome right and so and make it to Rome and of course there's this big shipwreck the complete destruction of the ship all cargo everything's lost except None of the people, they all survive. They make it to this island of Malta. Paul gets snake bit. Everybody thinks he's going to drop dead. And he doesn't. Then they think he's a god, you know, again. Um, And uh, he ends up healing a lot of people on this island, speaking the word to them, and uh, makes it on up to Rome, where he's there for two years We have this treasure in earthen vessels, these jars of clay, right? Clay pots. <laughs> uh, I like that the scriptures refer to us like that. Ah, we, what, what are y'all? Ah, you're, you're clay pots, you know? But you have this treasure inside you to show, and why, why is this treasure in, why isn't this in some really. In, like gold, jewel-encrusted thing. It's to show that the power is not in the pot. It's about the power of God, the gift that's inside the pot, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not us. God took one guy from Tarsus that was dead set on persecuting Christians and used him to spread his word all over the place. And it spread all over. And it wasn't just Paul, right? I mean, by now you've got all those churches up there in Asia that are set. I mean, it's just... You know, stuff's just popping all over the place. Things are happening. We didn't even talk about what's going on down in Ethiopia, right? I don't know. The Ethiopian went back down there, right? And it's going everywhere. Eventually, it made it across the Atlantic, right? Because here we are. The power of the Word of God has not been turned off, church, it's still on. And that message of the gospel, it's in you. It's in me. Let's not live the, let's don't, leave, li, don't leave the lid on. Right? You don't, you don't turn on a, a light and then cover it up, Jesus says. No, you put it on a lamp stand. So it lights up the whole room. Take off off the lid. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Speak it. The power is in the word. It's exciting. It's exciting to see all that was going on back then. It's still going on. The word of God is still spreading to this day. It's happening out there right now, right? Right? I mean, the sun is, is now on this hemisphere of the globe. Earlier, you know, this morning while we were still in bed, it's still dark, it was on the other side, and the word of God was being spread. Sunday morning, over there, Southeast Asia, right? Northern Europe, China, Africa. Spreading. Be encouraged because the power is God's. It's not us. I know it's easy to get covered up with everything that's going on. I gotta get this done. I gotta remember to pay the water bill. That's a big thing for us, you know, paying that water bill, because man, we got that we get that water bill like maybe a week before it's due sometimes. I'm like, oh, Power is in the Word, church. And it's in you. Let's get out there. Let's get out there and spread it. Let's join. Let's join in. If you're here today and you have not put Christ on in baptism, if you're still hanging out on the peripheral out there and you think... Yeah, I'm not really sure. What are you waiting for? And then Ananias asked Saul. Now Saul, what are you (laughs) you've been here three days. Now what are you waiting for? Arise. Be baptized. Wash away your sins. Or if you need the prayers of the church, here we are. Come forward as we stand and sing.